Being an expert sucks. As a teacher of spiritual intelligence and emotional health, I get cornered into being the guy who has all the answers. I'd like to take this opportunity to make a confession. I don't. What I do have are convictions. I have theories. I have questions. I find myself looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. Stop setting up your tent. We can't stay here. Through my journey, it's become evident that being a participant is no longer enough. It's time to become reformers. These are my confessions. To get deeper in this conversation, visit MikeMayashiro.com. Okay, you guys, I am very excited for this conversation. I am so thrilled to introduce you to my friend, Kathy Baldock here. I'm going to share a brief intro to my experience and exposure to Kathy. But before I do that, that'll be my first starting point. Kathy, I would just love for you to be able to say hi and just kind of give everyone a brief synopsis of who you are and what you do. Who are you, Kathy? What are you doing in the world? I, I'm a mom. I have two adult children, two adult straight children. I'm heterosexual, <laughs> I'm not bisexual, heterosexual. I became a Christian at the age of 27. I was raised Catholic, but I, and I went to Catholic school in New York City, daughter of a single mom who made sure she put us into Catholic school. And then in, in high school, I went to public, she remarried and I went to public school in New Jersey. Had a tugging at me all through college, but I was the smart girl, right? So I didn't respond to that tugging because it was emotional. Went to engineering school. I went to Rutgers University in the 70s when it was a great decade for women. A lot of progress for women in the 70s, 2% women, but there I was in engineering school. That kind of training reflects a lot how I think today. I got married at 27 marriage was falling apart quickly because both of us wanted to be the boss. Some friends came along that were Christians and said, you two need to go to church. And we actually listened to them. And I became a Christian within a year of my marriage. And so did my husband. I'm divorced. I've been divorced 20 years. I've been in the evangelical church, consistently a churchgoer since I was 27 and I am 66. So that's almost 40 years. Never stepped away from my faith, even when I was trying to figure out LGBTQ issues. Actually, my faith is stronger. I'm an author. I wrote Walking the Bridgeless Canyon. I'm writing another book, Forging a Sacred Weapon, How the Bible Became Anti-Gay. I spend a lot of time reading. I have lots of books. I read, I research, I try to put things together. And I think that's kind of what I bring to the table is I can see things in layers. And I don't just think along one track, like just Bible. I think along many tracks at the same time. And because of that, I think it's a gift. I can put things together historically that maybe other people haven't thought about and present them that way. So I think that's what I bring to the table. I hike every day. I live in the Sierra Nevada and I'm pretty happy up here being a hiking, reading, thinking, writing hermit. <laughs> <laughs> and you visited me in my hiking, thinking, reading, writing hermit space. Yeah, for sure. That's That sounds accurate. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, so also, Kathy, you have a ministry. Would you want to talk about that a oh, little bit? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm the founder of Canyon Walker Connections, and that website has lots of resources, canyonwalkerconnections.com, and I have ways for parents and LGBTQ people to engage, or I'm actually, I'm resource-based. I teach, I do seminars, I do a lot of video, I write. There are other places where people can directly engage in, and Mike, you're becoming one of them, but I'm more about education and pointing to resources and creating resources. Although I'm 
very extroverted. I think what I'm best at is the things I stick to. I stay in my lane of teaching, researching, and writing and creating resources. So that's canyonwalkerconnections.com and it's a pretty full website. I agree. It's pretty full, pretty robust. <laughs> Lots of great content there. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for that. You guys, the first time I ever heard of Kathy's existence was when I read Matthew Vine's book, God and the Gay Christian. So I read this book and he talks about Kathy, you know, here and there, actually a few times in this and points to her. And so I YouTubed Kathy Baldock and found hours of content of her teaching. Kathy, yeah. just real quick, can you share the hours of content where you're doing the whole like writing on the papers and what was that? So I think the best one that I've got, it's called Unclobbering the Tangled Mess. And I was teaching in Austin, in an Austin church, Austin New Church, actually the church that Jen Hatmaker is associated with. They invited me to come down and teach over a two-night period. Typically, when I teach, when I do full seminars, I do eight hours. I had to reduce it to five. They were wonderful in gifting to me recording it because it's a pretty accurate presentation, the quickest I can do and do it faithfully in five hours. So it's called Unclobbering the Tangled Mess. My name, Kathy Baldock. It's on my page. It's linked in the website. You know what? It takes time to watch it, but for most people, it's information they have really never heard before because it puts verses and the LGBTQ issue in historical context. Like, could Paul have known there were gay people in the first century? Bottom line, no. There were people doing same-sex behavior, but that didn't make them gay. That meant they were excessive, lustful, trying to find a new thrill people. It's a good, good overview. And that one actually comes to summary in the point where we had just discovered information, my research partner, Ed and I, that leaves off where the next book begins because it introduces the whole translation of homosexuality in the Bible. And so I think it's really good and I wouldn't change anything in it. So what, how I teach is I put a big timeline behind me, six feet deep, and then usually about 25 feet long. And I run on that timeline. I look at culture. I look at science or what people believed about sex, procreation, male and female roles. And the third timeline, the third piece of the timeline is what's going on in religion. There is a point at which they all start coming together in the 1970s, which is surprising to a lot of people. A lot changes in the 1970s. People, when they watch me do this, they're able to also put things in context, which I hear is very helpful for people to see the Bible in context of time, to see understanding of sexuality in context of time. And then also to see how in modern history, since the 1870s, since we've discovered there were same-sex attracted people, how they've been treated and how they've been used as political weapons and social weapons to push agendas. Not the gay agenda, political agendas. <laughs> I do that in the first book, this one, Walking the Bridges Canyon. But when you see it on paper, you know, some people learn that way visually. It's really helpful. And yeah. I will do the same thing on the next one. That was my exposure to Kathy. I found her on YouTube watching her do this lecture with this deep, wide paper that she's writing on. And I was like, who is this woman? And <laughs> Just the attitude, the conviction, the intelligence, the historicity, the sheer volume of information. I was like, what am I watching? It was so much. I was amazed. I had to stop and come back because there was so much detail. It was so helpful. So that was like one of the first few pieces of content I started consuming when I was 
coming out to myself and working that out. And then I think a year later, Kathy, I never told you this, but a year later I was working out of the gym and just continuing to want to listen to some resources specifically on this LGBTQ plus journey. And so I found videos that you'd done. I mean, I went back to the old videos you had done and found the newer ones that you just mentioned. And I just started listening to them while I was working out and just like, so not just thankful, but like fascinated at the things you were bringing in, you're right, in the social and the, the science and understanding of sexuality and that kind of thing into play with religion. I was like, oh my gosh, this historicity is so helpful. I never knew that. I don't know where I would have gone to find that information. And the way you blended it together was just so comprehensive. It was so helpful, just like legitimate resource. So you guys, that in and of itself is eye-opening. And everyone who's observed Kathy's work that I know has been blown away and so thankful and it absolutely was impactful in their process. So at least check out the link. I'll put that in the description of this episode so you can grab that. I came to Nashville, visited a guy named Stan Mitchell, as you, who you guys have heard from, and he suggested that I connect to Kathy Baldock. So Kathy was this woman I'd watched on YouTube at that point, right? So I'm like, oh, I know the name. He's like, I'll connect you to her or whatever, or you should reach out to her. And then I, that never happened. And then I'm planning on moving to Nashville to be around Stan. And then we're going to drive across the country, right? And so while we were doing that, I randomly found somebody who claimed that they were like the best people they were following on Instagram for the LGBTQ plus conversation. Kathy Baldock was one of the people. And I was like, oh, why am I not following Kathy Baldock on Instagram? So I followed her. And literally a few days later, her feed started coming in, or sorry, her post came into my feed. And I saw that she lived in Reno, Nevada, or around that area. And I was like, what? Because guess where my first stop was on the way to Nashville? We were staying in Reno. I was like, uh, so I messaged her on Instagram. I was like, hey, Kathy, you don't know me, but could we go out to coffee? And she's like, no, we cannot. However... <laughs> You can go hiking with me, right? I hike every day. If you want to hike with me, we can talk that way. I'm like, great, I'll hike with you. And then the morning of, it was so smoky, like yeah, really bad. And so I messaged her. I was like, Kathy, should we, are we still up for like hiking tomorrow? And she's like, listen, I'm hiking whether you're coming or not. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I was like, I can't pass this opportunity up. If I lose my lungs, I got to talk to this person. So I went and we hiked for like three hours. Yeah. And I cried a few times in that conversation toward the end of the hike. I remember we just stopped and we were talking, we were just looking at each other. And I just, I mean, wept might not be the wrong word. I was like deep emotion was coming up because I was just so blown away by the stories that you were sharing, Kathy. But then I think more than that, just the advocacy work that you were bringing to this, you didn't have to, but you were fighting for people like me and giving us voice and tending to our wounds in the ways that we had been silenced and like breaking open space for our stories and our experiences and our plight to be acknowledged and to be healed. And I was just so moved by the level of commitment and sacrifice you've brought to this work. I felt so represented and advocated for and cared for. And that was so moving. I think that was probably one of the deeper things that was hitting me was just like, look at this woman's life and the work she's doing and the level of excellence and effort she's putting into this. It was mind blowing. So the question was, what did I expect when I got there meeting Kathy? And then what did I walk away with? So I actually didn't know what to expect. I was hoping, I was hoping to learn things, whatever there was, there was to learn. And I learned more than I was expecting. Um, I definitely learned, but there was more to it than that. Kathy was more relational than I was expecting, which was awesome. She was more down to earth and like, you know, humble and kind and social and spunky. The spunky was, I expected that because when she's teaching, you can see that it just comes right through, right? She is like just thrown down, which I love. I love that. But then also the other elements to you as a person, Kathy, that, you know, you don't get to experience when you're in teaching. And then also just the exposure to the other voices in this space, both the 
affirming voices and just how many people in the world were doing work like this and how much support there was available. Like she was, she just kept reiterating. I'm like, I didn't know that there were that many people out here doing all this. She's like, oh yeah. She kept being surprised that I didn't know of these people or what was available or things that were in the world, the conferences, like just all this stuff. I was like, I had no idea, which was so cool. And then also the, the voices that are coming against the LGBTQ plus community, the non-affirming theology books that are being written regularly and just all the books that Kat, so we'll t- I'm going to ask Kathy about that too. So just, I learned a lot just about the landscape and the conversation that's being had and who's participating. And just, that was a lot of exposure that I didn't have. And it was so inspiring and encouraging. And I remember there were multiple moments where I'm like, man, I'm going to lose my audience. I'm going to lose my right standing with the church. Just like kind of counting the costs. I was still like working through the loss of those things and the fear of it. And Kathy's like, Mike, you are, you're going to lose your audience. You're going to lose your blah, blah, but you're going to gain a whole other group of people who are going to come around you and support you and people that need to hear you. And I was like, oh, and I think she's right, but am I ready for this? And you know, it was like a lot to sort through. I knew it was a lot. And the, and I think people are surprised when I'm relational. I mean, I am though, because I see the pain this issue has caused people. I see it deeply, but on the other side of it, I know what I bring that's different to the table is academics. So a lot of people kind of just see that side of me that she's just going to hit me with a thousand facts. And believe me, I've got more than a thousand facts, but I'm also in the midst of it all a storyteller. People want to hear the story. So yeah, I told you a lot of stories that day. That's true. You know, people to encourage you, you know, so-and-so has gone through this and look where they are and, you know, and this is available and this is what's happened. And I have a lot of stories because I've been doing this for 20 years. That's a long time. You told a lot of stories. That's true. So I'm about to ask you about your story real quick before I do. I just want to clarify those of you who are watching this, who, if you don't know who Kathy is, and this is your first exposure to her, I just want to let you know from the get-go, Kathy is a powerhouse. She is a name in the LGBTQ plus affirming theology space. People who are doing work in this area know Kathy. They know her work. She is a voice. She is moving and shaking and driving things in this area. She is shaping how this conversation is going and some of the standards that are in place. Like Kathy's doing all this right now. It's fascinating. She's a pioneer. She is breaking up really hard ground. She's bringing diligence and quality and integrity to this conversation. So I just want you to know who's in front of you and the fact that she's willing to take the time to do this interview with me. I'm very honored because she described herself. She's writing, she's hiking, she's hermiting. That's her deal. So to get time with Kathy is not always available. So the fact that she's doing this is a gift. Um, So I love that you guys get to hear from her and you get to experience this. Just know who it is you're listening to as we're talking about all this stuff. Kathy is the bomb and she is doing very real, very impactful. We thank you. Since I came out and got exposed to Kathy and, you know, we've been connected. Kathy has been such an avid supporter and champion of me and my process just has taken me under her wing and just been like a mama bear in this. And I felt very loved and seen and cared for by her just individually. So like I went to a conference that she was uh, speaking at in Phoenix and the whole time she just like pulled me around and like got me at tables to talk to people and meet people and just looked after me. And it was so helpful and like I stayed with her friend and just you know all this stuff then also like since then just continuing to be a voice and a like a consultant almost even at times just like helping prepare me and my whole team for what was going to happen when I came out publicly like just relationally has been the real deal and has very much looked after me and my team which has been such a gift so like she's not just great information not just great work but also quality human man like cares about people and is absolutely Yeah, thank you. Are you kidding? Yeah, so true. That's so true. And then also, I don't know if you guys know this, there's a film coming out called 1946. 
Kathy is one of the main characters of that documentary. It's about her and her work. And that's coming out hopefully sometime this year. We don't know the release date yet, but you'll be seeing Kathy on the big screen in whatever ways that looks like from the work she's doing here too. So, you, and you'll hear some of that coming down the road in my world also, but big deal. Like they're doing a whole film around the work that Kathy's it's doing. It's huge. Actually, we were, um, I was down in Long Beach this weekend with Ed for five days trying to, we, we had divided areas of work, but I'm writing the book. So I had to completely understand what he's trying to communicate, right? So we spent five days going through commentaries and Bibles and lexicons, and he has Bibles and commentaries from the 1600s. Like he owns these things. Someday, Mike, you'll get to his house and you'll just walk in. Like the first time when I met Ed and he invited me to come back and stay at his house because of the, you know, he knew I was interested in this topic and he had heard me speak. And when he heard me speak and when I said that the word homosexual homosexuals did not end up in the Bible until 1946. He was like, like, is that true? His part of where his brain works is he went out and started buying old Bibles in lots of languages and the commentaries and the lexicons before there were dictionaries and started amassing this collection that is overwhelmingly impressive that one person that's not an academic institution owns this. So we spent the five days together going through this and maybe we can pick up on that later is what I see. But when I first saw, when Ed <laughs> brought me to his house and I saw this collection that he had had, he had, you know, three and a half years ago, what I actually said to him was like, bring me a bottle of wine and a glass and go away. I just want to sit here. Like, I don't even want to talk to you. <laughs> uh, just leave me alone. <laughs> I'll be careful not to spill on your 16th, 16th century Bibles. I couldn't believe a person had this. To be matched with someone like that, to have me that's able to do history and layers and someone who's interested in the word of God and how it has changed in the comments. That's an incredible team. And this is what I say. I mean, yes, we're in that film with Reverend David, another piece of the story, but we're really ordinary people. I didn't go to seminary. Ed went to seminary, but I didn't go to seminary. I went to engineering school, like, right? I mean, what is that? And how often do we say God uses the ordinary to confound others, right? You know, Ed, and you know me, and you know Rocky, who's doing the film. We're just like ordinary, I mean, yeah, we're driven, but we're really ordinary people that I know, not believe, think, kind of imagine God has called to correct errors. How cool is that, that we are so ordinary? These people with these degrees haven't done the work we have. So don't say I'm ill-equipped. I think I'm well-equipped. Totally. So yeah. ordinary people can do great things. For sure. Love it. That's awesome. You didn't always be an ally. No. You weren't always doing work with it. No. Right? How, no. Did the, how did this happen? How did we get here? Please, can you tell us your origin story? What is going on? How yes. did we get here? I became a Christian at 27. Evangelical Church um, led women's Bible studies, did all the Beth Moore, K. Arthur, Acts 2-7, home study groups, did junior high Bible studies because nobody wants to do those, but I did <laughs> at group of wild girls. And I mean, I just did that for years and it seemed like even people in 
the Christian community of this town knew me because I would go to church with my friends. I was just really social. Almost 20 years into my marriage, my husband decided, I actually, I don't like, I can't stand the term ex-husband. I say husband. So my husband, he didn't want to be married anymore. He just didn't want to. I mean, there are more complicating facts than that. It's very embarrassing when you've been pretty visible at your church and in your community when your marriage falls apart, when you think you've done everything right, because I was that kind of Christian, like you do A, B, C, D, and then of course, E will show up. I was stunned. I think I needed to be in that place because evangelicals and fundamentalists, we're very sure about everything. We are sure that if you do A, B, C, D, E will happen. I think I needed to be in a place where my sureness was under undermined because, I mean, just imagine me, right? I'm a smart girl. I'm obedient. And of course, if I do all the right things, the stuff's going to show up. I mean, no question, but it didn't. My kids were, I think they were 13 and 14. They are now 35 and 36. I started going through this divorce and we had a business at the time, a retail business that was really successful. Part of the charm of it was that we were a mom and pop business, right? And so people loved that we would put pictures of the kids up and we worked this business together and everything was going to fall apart. I was told to not share what was going on with anybody until we got through the Christmas season because a lot of money was made during the Christmas season. So here I am in June knowing a divorce is coming. And I mean, I can't imagine going back to that kind of deep, deep, disappointing pain. And I did it alone because I was not to tell anyone, but I mean, let's get real. You even tell your closest friends and, or a prayer chain, well, you might as well stand up on the stage of the church with a microphone in your hand, unfortunately, because then all of a sudden in every prayer group, everybody's got a prayer request to, to share, right? And it's about me. Because my personality was more outgoing, there were assumptions made about me that I was the one causing this, doing this. Couldn't have been further from the truth. I am like a dead loyal person to friends, to family, to God. I am loyal. I couldn't talk to anyone. And so that's the season of my life where I started hiking every single day. So I started hiking on these trails and I would be alone most of the time. And then I started to notice on Saturdays, there was a woman hiking there and she seemed to be hiking like the same pace that I did. Her name's Neto Montoya. I mean, the, some of these things I don't talk about, but one day it was a Saturday morning and my husband had been particularly cruel to me in language, in yelling. I mean, particularly cruel. And I just didn't want to go home. And so when I finished my hike and I got to the bottom of the trail, there was this person that I had seen many times before. And I thought, maybe I can hike the canyon again with her. So I said to, I literally said to her, you know, I've seen you here before and I don't even know your name. Do you mind if I turn around with you and walk with you for a while? I mean, if that's not prophetic. And it ended up for the next year, it was clear to me the first day I hiked with her because of the language she was using. She wasn't saying husband or much about men. She would say partner and, you know, she would use abstract lingo. But when I got back to her car, there was a, a, a metal ring hanging from her truck with her kayak racks above it. And I can't make fun of what anybody drives because I drive like known to be the lesbian car, Subaru. And so I've had, this is my fourth Subaru, right? They're called Lesbarus. But, you know, here I am straight, but Neto had a truck with kayak racks. And, and uh, so she had these rings of rainbow colored metals on her, her rear view mirror. And I thought, 
is she a lesbian? Like, did I just spend two hours with a lesbian? And so I remember telling my Friday morning girlfriends, we used to have breakfast every Friday morning. We're from four different churches. We had done it for years. And I said, I, th I think this woman is a hike uh, that I'm hiking, you know, starting to hike with is a lesbian. And their suggestion, every last one of them, was when are you going to talk to her about Jesus? That was before they said like, where's she from? Do you enjoy yourself? It was it, the the focus week after week is, did you talk to her about Jesus? Did you tell her about Jesus? But what happened was, it's crazy. It's the only place I felt safe because she wasn't judging me. I could tell her. I told this, you know, she's not. She's one of my two closest friends. It's Yvette and Neto. Today, those other ones have walked out of my life. But here was this woman that I could talk to about what I was going through. And not only was she a great hiking partner, she was a cheerful person and couldn't have been more unlike me. Woman of color, very dark skinned. We were on the phone last night and she just got back from Arizona and she said, Kathy, I'm even darker. And I said, well, it's a good thing you didn't leave the country girl because you didn't need a passport. She is a dark skinned Native American. She's a Cochiti Indian, Cochiti Native American from New Mexico. She has a Hispanic last name, Montoya. She was an atheist and a lesbian. <laughs> and that's who, and that's who God dropped into my smug, self-righteous, I know everything, you need to convert life. Oh my goodness, what a... That's who you found on that trail in that season of your life. That's who I found. We hiked every Saturday and she came out to me a year later. I mean, by then I kind of knew, but we had stayed off of this topic. I didn't push her because I needed her in my life, right? And I didn't trust myself to say the right things because my religious background told me I needed to tell her that she was a sinner. So not only did she have to stop being a lesbian, she had to start being a Christian. I mean, that's a big package. You know, she was in her forties at the time and it was, that's a very big package, but that's what I would have believed. But because I was in a place where the A, B, C, D didn't lead to E, I was willing to consider <laughs> maybe I don't know everything. And in that not knowing everything, I was willing to do what I would do with anybody else and just do relationship. And when she came out to me a year later, we were walking up the trail. We had just met. She had canceled the day before because she had to go to a funeral. And she said, can we go on Sunday? Yes. So we're walking up the trail. And she said, I want to tell you why I didn't hike with you yesterday. And I said, whatever is okay. It doesn't, you know, it's okay. And the way she told me was, she said, this is, this is exactly how she said it. My former lover died. And they had her funeral yesterday. And Kathy, I want to talk to you about what happens when people die. That was the day we were able to both be honest about who we were. And I, as we're walking up the trail, I just put my arm around her waist because she, she totally expected me to walk out of her life then. And I put my arm around her waist and she said, Kathy, I'm a lesbian. And I said, is that all you've got? Like, is this the thing that's supposed to scare me off? Because by then... I loved her, right? I loved everything about her. And so then it was pressure on from my friends. Now that she's admitted it, Kathy, now you have a job to do. And I just didn't see it that way because relationship with Neto changed everything.
it just changed everything. She started bringing me into her circles. And then I also at the same, at the very same time, marriage is falling apart. I hike because I want to keep my body busy, but I also took Italian classes at the community college because I needed to keep my mind busy because I didn't want to, this is the honest truth. I didn't want to fall into adultery. I didn't want to be distracted and uh, fill, fill the needs up in my life with someone that cared, well, pretended to care about me. And so um, I kept my, my mind busy and my, my body busy. And I, the reason I took Italian was it sounds beautiful, but languages are very difficult for me. So I knew it would be a challenge. And so the very first night of Italian class, we were paired up with speaking partners and I was paired up with the only gay person in the class. I mean, I was just paired up with him, Tom Durante. All of a sudden, so like in one month, these two gay people drop into my miserable, <laughs> my miserable, formerly lovely life. <laughs> and they're kind to me. And they don't expect me to perform a certain way. And Tom and I became, Tom and I are still great friends. We go out to dinner about three times a year. I mean, intentionally with each other. And he is an interesting person because he's from a family where his older brother is the Catholic bishop over the area, the Catholic, yeah, the bishop over the area and a very popular priest. And so these two people, these two kind people drop into my life and start being friends to me. So this is Mike, this is 2002, three, four. There were like no resources out there. And when I started looking at this, it was a very unusual thing for a straight woman with straight kids to do. And I think what touched me first was the civil rights aspect of it, because I was hanging out with all these lesbians. And the one thing I could see, you know, a lot of times I'd be the only straight person at a party, whether I was with Tom Durante or Neto Montoya. I'd be the only straight person. And it was just really funny because all of Neto's friends, they would call her, call me, oh, that's Neto's hiking friend, or that's Neto's dog walking friend. And I remember saying to them, like, I have a name. My name is Kathy. Like, you can refer to me by my name, but they liked me, you know, they liked me. But they were very suspicious of, is she just trying to come out? I mean, people didn't get me. But what I saw that was totally contrary to what I believed was their relationships, I had been told, were lust-based. And that is not what I saw. I saw couples that had been together for decades. And then I was also told that gay people made a choice to be gay. And listening to people's story, oh, stories over and over and over again, the commonalities, the funny stories about when they were young and the things they saw and how different they were, that what I, I unlearned those two very quickly. But in the midst of that, I never heard, and I'm telling you never, nobody ever told me that they missed the faith part of their lives. No one ever said, I was a Christian until, or I sure miss going to church. And then I had my Christian friends on the other side, not wanting to do relationship with them. And so I thought, well, gay people don't want anything to do with church and church people don't want anything to do with gay people. So it's okay if I like straddle this divide without making a decision because neither side wants to be with the other. And so I could easily handle the civil rights part of it, seeing that my friends deserved equal rights. 
but I didn't start dealing with the theology part of it for years, which really surprises people. It was a conversation, you know, starting in 2004 when, you know, Massachusetts was introducing marriage equality. So I had friends who were challenging me about how I was voting politically, because here I was supportive and loving my friends and voting against them. So that's how I kind of entered the conversation because I fully believed that the two sides wanted nothing to do with each other. So what work is there to reconcile it when they don't want any reconciliation? That's what I believed. And that's kind of where the conversation was 15 years ago. I had a friend named Myra and she's, uh, she's gone to the state Supreme Court here on some pretty big cases. I mean, she is the definition of a power lesbian in town. Like she's the one, like she's six foot two. And I met her through Netto snowshoeing one day and we became friends. You do not come to a, a knife fight with her with, you know, a little tiny stick, which is what I was doing when I was having a conversation, popsicle stick, when I was trying to have conversations with her about, I mean, it's terrible what she deserved to have and didn't deserve to have. And so she, I remember one time, she, when marriage equality in 2004, it was put on, I think, 19 states referendums of some sort, like we define marriage as between a man and a woman, or we outlaw same-sex marriage, or do we, it, some variation of that was presented in 19 states. And the entire reason behind that was to get voters to the poll. It was another, it was just a wedge issue getting voters to the poll. In all 19 of those states, it ended up every single one of them, gay people were voted against. And Myra was, uh, I, I think she was in Mexico with her partner at a hotel having breakfast when that came up. She watched the news and she saw that all 19 states had voted against her. And the first thing out of her mouth to her partner, and I won't say it, but she said, F Kathy Baldock, because I was her picture of Christianity. And she knew that Christians had done this to her. And since I was her most accessible Christian, I mean, I'm like the good, everybody knows Kathy is a really good Christian. And so I was the picture of Christianity to her and she was furious with me. I mean, I voted against her too. <laughs> But she wouldn't talk to me for months. And I didn't know why. And I finally said to her, then it came up to be Christmas time. And we missed our Christmas dinner. And I said, like, are we going to go out for dinner? Like, what's happened? And her friends were on the other side counseling her and saying, friends are hard to come by. And she's a good one. Like, give her a chance. And don't just cut her out of your life. I mean, they were on the other side being gracious, right? And my friends were on the other side saying, when are you going to talk to her about Jesus? You know, so it's like, Oh my gosh, they operated so differently. One was like, value the relationship. The other one is get her into heaven. I know where I fall on this stuff now, relationship. And so we went out to dinner and oh gosh, it still hurts. And she said, Kathy, I'm just going to be honest with you. I was shocked that this was the problem. I, I, didn't, I didn't think this was a problem at all. And when she explained to me that this was the most poignant thing she said to me. When heterosexual people get married, like families are there and churches are there and society is there to support you. And like anything falls apart, everybody comes and rallies around you. And there are advocates for your family and for your marriage. And it's just built in. And especially if you're in a church, everybody's there for you. But when you're gay, the legal system isn't there for you. Your families aren't there for you. Churches aren't there for you. Societies aren't there for you. And you're out there trying to do this very difficult thing on your own when everybody is against you. And that 
was what made me realize that these had real implications on the lives of people that I loved and respected. That was another big turning point for me of, this is not just a vote. I'm voting against my friends who are advocating for my relationships with people, right? Even friendships. And I saw that she was telling the truth, but I mean, this is an attorney right, sitting at a table presenting all these points. So like, I was like, oh, okay, I give up. I mean, where do I sign? <laughs> give me a flag. Let's leave me alone, girl. Okay, I'll vote differently. So that was one of the first points. But then there came another point where I had to challenge my theology. But I successfully straddled this line for years by just keeping it in the civil rights context. What do people deserve? Because I still believed church didn't want them. They didn't want church. So that divide in your mind made you a dual citizen and you had values that existed in separate worlds and they didn't need to have any accountability to each other. None. I couldn't have imagined where my path was going. I could never have imagined that I would get to the point where I would not just like try to figure out the theology, but now become part of the change. I mean, that I could have never imagined this. I was just trying to do the next right thing, right? The turning point came for me. I was hiking with Netto one day and it was in the fall because I remember it was pretty. We're walking down the canyon where I had met her. We were talking about she was headed out to, you know, she has her truck and her RV and her ATV. I mean, she's got all, <laughs> when I go camping with those girls, I mean, there's some pretty funny scenes and even pictures that I have in my head of, you know, they're all standing around the middle of the desert. You know, it's like circle the wagons. All the RVs are out in the middle of absolutely nowhere because we're all going out ATV. And, and you know, it was like Christmas morning because someone's generator goes out and they're all like, oh, yay, a generator to fix. And I'm sitting, you know, I'm sitting eating a cupcake, reading a book, fish out of water all the time. But they're so, they were so good to me. These women were so, I mean, I would like to see Christians be as inclusive as they were to me. I mean, they would let me come away on trips. So anyway, Netta was going away on a, an RV camp out and she said it was all women and I'm still not getting it. And I said, well, because I camped, you know, and I camped with people, I didn't care who I camped with. I said, I don't understand why this trip is so important to you. And she said, Kathy, you just don't get it. Well, clearly, I mean, that could have been said, you know, several times a week. Was she out yet when she was telling you this story? Oh yeah. We, okay. We've been friends for four or five years. Oh, okay. Wow. And I was still doing the civil rights theology over there, still doing for it. Years. it you done that for years. You've done that for years. Years, not like a month or a week, years, wow. Mike. Wow. So when okay. people say, oh, like Kathy Baldock's always been this way. Oh, no. It was a process because there were no resources and no one was talking about it. Like when I first started talking to my own pastor about like, this is what I see going on. They were like, what? Like, where are you going? She said to me, you don't get it, Kathy, because everywhere you go is safe. I'm not like you. I'm a Native American. I'm a woman of color. I've got a Hispanic last name. I'm an atheist. I'm a lesbian. And she said, um, not even God loves me. And I can point to the spot in the dirt where she said that because it stopped me that this person that I thought was so wonderful and who had been such a loyal friend to me and really loved me unconditionally as 
you know, as ill-equipped as I was and said stupid things and voted against her. And she loved me. I didn't react right then, but I drove home and I went out on my deck and I, I made a cup of tea and I sat out on my deck and I just cried. And I just said, like, God, is that true? Is that true that you don't love my friend? Because I struggle to believe that because I'm in way imperfect and I don't love, I mean, I love pretty well, but I don't love like God loves. And I love her. You know, for someone that thinks a lot, that's such a tiny, simple thought. Does God love my friend Neto? And that that's what made me take off into the theological portion of it. Because I realized how can she say that because she's a lesbian, God doesn't love her? It became very real to me. And it was one relationship, right? And I'm sure people are doing the same thing with you, right? Like they know you, Mike, and they've been able to separate these things. But when they see the Mike that they love and the Mike that they respect and the Mike that they know is a devoted spirit-filled believer being hurt by something they believe it's very challenging. If they're thinking, it's very challenging. And it it hit me hard. But that was a turning point for me. So hopefully, you know, there are people that your story is a turning point for them. Okay, so that was part one of a three-part conversation I'm having with Kathy. I hope you guys are enjoying it. If you are an LGBTQ plus person and you're a Christian and you're having difficulty navigating your faith and your walk with God and your spirituality because of the church, I wanna let you know that we have a group called the Rainbow Room. This is a group that I'm personally going to facilitate and host and lead where we're all in that space are going to be LGBTQ plus people and we're going to get to process what is it like to be this person in this time in history, specifically in the context of faith in the Bible. We're gonna dismantle terrible ideology and theology that's gotten in the way. We're gonna address the social dynamics that we have to navigate. We're gonna establish standards, clean up some messes, be there for each other. It's gonna be a beautiful, redemptive, powerful time. I wanna make sure you know that that's happening in case you're interested in it. I'm gonna put a link below this episode so you can check that out. We would love for you guys to do it. Thank you for watching. Check out part two. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you wanna see how deep this rabbit hole goes, check out MikeMyashiro.com.